You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. Aloha and welcome. Thank you guys for joining us here this morning and every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for uh, our digital house church. Uh, if you are you know, a regular at Reality and you call it home or you're joining us for the first time, we just want to say thank you for joining us and welcome. Uh, if you have been following us, a lot has been happening in relation to kind of updates about what the plan is going forward about in-person gatherings. Obviously, you know uh, here in Hawaii, we are allowed to um, locally and obviously nationally meet as the church. But if you know, we have a unique circumstance and situation for us as a church because we normally meet at Aliolani Elementary School, part of the Department of Education state-owned school. And uh, we don't know when or if uh, it'll be when we can have access and the ability to go back and gather there again. That said, taking all that into account, um, as every other church is doing, uh, we have really just sought the Lord over the last few weeks on what would be the best way forward. Um, We want to do this safely. We want to do this honoring Um, to our local government and our community and we want to do it right there's no reason to rush like we can go so let's just go for it Um, there's no reason to rush we've always been the church we are the church the church has never been closed it's just a matter of how we've gathered Uh, I want us to always remember that and so what we feel like as a way going forward because uh, of everything and since we don't have a home We really feel that a house church model as a interim and way of transition will um, help us to kind of ease back in safely um, and because we're all in different places comfort wise. I think this is a really good medium of being able to have some social interaction and get the word of God and worship together, um, but do it in homes. And so this is what I mean by that. If you saw the update on Friday, it'll probably be a little bit more in depth. But what I mean by uh, house churches or a house church model, because we all have maybe different opinions or or, um, experiences with that. We are one church, and this will still be happening every Sunday. You'll log on to Facebook or YouTube, and you can uh, join church. You can be in church, so to speak, in your homes. But in those homes, we have the ability now to have in-person spiritual gatherings, Uh, hence uh, the church. And hence, for us, since our model is now going to be a house church, your home can become Uh, more or less a church. And so what we want to do is we want to be the church and kind of be organic and structured in how we do this. But starting next Sunday, June 7th, we want to um, up to your comfort level level, and if you're able to or want to, we want to encourage you to think about uh, our church family, Reality Ohana, and to possibly reach out to a few people to come over your home. And in your home, we still have to follow safety protocols that we would if we were large gathering and we're going to list that on our website and have a whole web page dedicated to kind of this interim season of house churches but more or less is uh, inviting people over 
to do church together. And if you do that, you don't have to lead anything or, or have anything prepared. Literally, you maybe get there a little early, talk a bit, safe distance. And I know it's going to be kind of awkward and, and not ideal, but at least we get some social interaction with, with our dear brothers and sisters in Christ. And then we can, you know, log in and join in together. And um, I always get so encouraged either seeing pictures or like your comments. Um, and so if you could do that now, uh, that would be awesome. Or next Sunday and the following Sundays as we kind of, um, do this house church thing. But what you can do is invite people over and have small gatherings. Um, and I think I heard that, uh, this coming Friday, June 5th, that the new, um, I guess lifting of restrictions allows kind of confusing, but that it allows 10 people in an indoor gathering. And again, I don't know, and we'll update probably next Friday, um, what that means and what safety protocols you can have. But all that said, either way, starting next Sunday, June 7th, we're going to be going to a house church model. And again, if you're not comfortable to kind of be around people yet, and you've got underlying conditions or uh, our, our beloved Kapuna, this is actually kind of ideal because you can kind of steady as she goes, stay in your home just with your family and not feel pressured to go to someone else's house or to invite people over. It's kind of a good medium. But again, we're doing this, not like this is going to be forever, but we're doing this as way of transition until the Lord provides either a Leolani back to us or a new space or, or something else. But we're excited for this season because we really believe that God is going to deepen our relationships in the church. And um, there's a lot of fruit that can come out of these small house churches. And then when we all get back together, um, again, not sure when that's going to be totally, uh, that it's going to be so rich and so beautiful. So anyway, um, I'll kind of stop talking there. You can check all our social media and website for more updates on that. But as we continue to study the book of Acts as a church on Sunday mornings, I want to point out that in the traditional church calendar, today is actually what is known as uh, Pentecost Sunday. Looking at 50 days um, since the resurrection where the, the Spirit of God actually fell upon the church in the upper room in Acts chapter 2. And even though we studied Acts chapter 2 a couple uh, months ago, what today is, is the church calendar recognizing uh, Pentecost Sunday where the Holy Spirit fell upon the church. And it's so cool because that same Holy Spirit that fell in Acts chapter 2, which the church worldwide celebrates today in Pentecost Sunday, were seen at work in the book of Acts, in the life of believers. And uh, it's just so cool that, um, you know, 2020, we're reminded of what happened in Acts 2, and we've been digging into that over the last few months. Uh, that said, as a church, if you've been with us, you know that we've been systematically making our way through the book of Acts. Uh, we, we go verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We don't skip anything, um, and we just tackle the hard stuff and uh, as it comes. But we take our time. And we told you that we'd probably be in the book of Acts all of 2020, about a year. Uh, but today, we're going to be finishing off chapter 5, and it's taken us five months to do it. Um, Acts has 28 chapters, so if this, that speed tells you anything, we may be here for a little bit longer than a year. But uh, 
I'm sure no one's going to complain about that because Acts has been so rich and so wonderful for us. And literally, we're living it out right now during this COVID season. We're living out meeting in small house churches next Sunday and large gatherings soon. And the church is the church regardless of where we meet. So we're living it out. It's really exciting. Um, But without further ado, let's open up our Bibles to Acts chapter 5. Um, I'd love if you could do that with me in your homes right now or your phones. Uh, and I'd love if we could read the section of scripture that God has for us and then, and then be in, anticipate God speaking to us through it. So here we go. Acts 5 verses 17 through 42. So it's a larger section of scripture and I'll be reading from the NIV translation. It goes like this. Then the high priest with all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, and as they had been told, and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, They called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the the officers did, did not find them there. So they went back and reported, We found the jail securely locked with the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at a loss, wondering what this might lead to. Then someone came and said, Look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priests. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin, Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Theodos appeared claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, all his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people to revolt. He too was killed and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. 
But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and they had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Okay, so for way of refresher and reminder, here's what's happening, right? The apostles and the rest of the followers of Jesus, they've been filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, which the church celebrates today. They They have been emboldened to live for God. They're preaching by word and living by action, and they're telling and showing of the good news of Jesus being the Son of God who died for the sins of the world, who rose on the third day and gives abundant, eternal life and hope to the entire world. This group is on fire, right? They're energized. They're unashamed to see God's kingdom, His heavenly kingdom come to earth. And even last week and the weeks before, we've seen healings and miracles and freedom and and, uh, salvation. The 12 disciples have turned into 120 in the upper room. And by now, only a few months later, there's thousands of believers. The city is buzzing with the news of who Jesus is. The Messiah had come in the person of Jesus Christ. And over the course of the last few chapters and the chapters to come, what we've seen and what we will see is that the religious and social elites are not only offended, but feel threatened by this truth spreading. And in our text today, it says that these legalistic rulers are are feeling jealous, and they're jealous that their own righteous religious authority may be taken from them. Harsh persecution is coming upon the people of God for simply living as Christians. And we saw this at the end of Acts 3 and at the beginning of Acts 4, right when Peter and John were walking through the temple gates, when they saw this man that had been crippled since birth that hadn't been able to walk for more than 40 years. Jesus healed this man. This man is now running in the temple courts. And because of that, We see that even then, Peter and John were arrested and questioned because of this amazing, compassionate uh, act of healing. And once again, here in our text, Acts 5, verses 17 through 42, we see a detailed story of once again persecution coming upon the church. So in a nutshell, what's happening in our text that I just read is the apostles. And again, it's more than just Peter and John. It's maybe all 12 or even more of the followers of Jesus. They're arrested and they're jailed for just telling people about Jesus and his kingdom coming. And miraculously, while they're jailed, an angel comes and frees them. 
And more or less, so to speak, the angel gives them a pat on the back and says, get back in the game. Go keep on telling everyone about the life-changing, life-saving truth of Jesus and do it despite the consequences. Then um, the powers at B, right? They, they come and they send for these men that they had jailed uh, to put on trial again to figure out what to do with them. And they go to the jail and the jailers haven't moved, but everyone is gone. And they're utterly puzzled as they should be. They find the apostles doing what the angel told them to do. They're bearing witness to everyone of who Jesus is and what he did for them. And then they bring them in again, in essence, and they say, we already told you not to do this. They're obviously frustrated, annoyed, bewildered, uh, thrown off, jealous, angry at these men. And they are, they're saying, we already told you not to do this. Why do you keep on doing it? And Peter, right, in his new spirit-filled, emboldened uh, person, he preaches a mini-sermon again, and he straight-up preaches the gospel of who Jesus is. This is exactly why. This is exactly why we're doing what we do. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. Once again, at any opportunity, the followers of Jesus, any opportunity they get, the followers of Jesus use that opportunity to declare the wonders of God before any audience that will give them even an ear to listen. And what Peter lands on here, as they say, you can't talk about Jesus, and see, Peter says, this is why I'm talking about Jesus, where he lands on is saying, what you're telling me is contradictory to what my God told us to do. And again, the New Testament hadn't been written. But if you remember back in Acts chapter 1, Jesus himself, before ascending to heaven, got together these same men, Peter being one of them. And what did Jesus tell them to do? Don't go anywhere but until the Holy Spirit falls upon you. But when it does, what do you do? Be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Sumeria, and to the ends of the earth. And so Peter's case to them here is, you're forbidding me to tell and talk about Jesus anymore. That's contrary to my God's word. In an act of civil disobedience, he said, I choose to obey God rather than you, rather than man. And you can only imagine this does not make them happy. And this man named Gamaliel, this honorable teacher of the law, he comes and he slightly mediates the situation. And he warns these Sadducees, right, these religious elites, these legalistic, oppressive rulers, to be careful about what they do here. To pause and to really think about what's happening. Because more or less, he tells them, if this isn't of God, this movement, right? There's all these people stirring up and, and spreading this news in Jerusalem. And his point is, if this isn't of God, it'll fizzle out. It'll lose steam. It'll die out. You don't even have to worry about it. But he says, if it is of God, that you need to be really careful. Because if these men are from God, it's not them you fight against. It's God himself. And it's this very sobering uh, mediation by this wise teacher of the law. And, and they, they, uh, they take his recommendation. 
and they can't really do much, but they end up they end up flogging and beating each of the followers of Jesus as a punishment and as a consequence. And again, it's just to show their superiority and power. Um, but there's not a whole lot they can do, and they take the advice of Gamaliel and they kind of let them go. What's the response, though, of these followers of Jesus to this tense and traumatic experience? Like, it's pretty tense and traumatic. This is like over and over. They've been arrested and they've been imprisoned and uh, now they've been beaten and they've been questioned and they've been threatened. What's their response? Is it cowardice? Is it pulling back? Is it fear? No. It's actually quite the opposite. They get out of that trial at the end of chapter 5 and the tone and the tenor of their attitude is gratefulness. It says that they're grateful that they had the privilege to suffer for Jesus. I mean, again, look at that. That is such a spirit-filled perspective. Like, who says, I'm so glad I just suffered. I'm so glad I just got arrested and threatened and beaten. This is not of their own doing or of any worldly strength. This is the Holy Spirit in these ordinary, flawed men and women. And honestly, it's because they were so sold out for their cause. Like they were all in for Jesus. This was real as it gets. This was deeply rooted in their being of who God was. And to them, all of this was worth it. Like there is nothing that could stop them from sharing the good news of who Jesus was. And even in my, you know, paraphrase or kind of explanation of our text this morning, I hope that you can see that there's quite a bit of lessons, right, and application that we as the people of God can glean from and apply to our own lives and our own context. But for simplicity, for time's sake, um, I want us to have like a real takeaway, Uh, for each of us. And and I want to hone in on one main point for us. And I do this, um, if you've heard me teach more than once, this is kind of my thing. Um, It helps me a lot. So I kind of, I feel like I teach that way. But, and again, there's huge value in a deep detailed study. But as a pastor and as a person, what I want to do is I want to have a point stand out and carry us into that next week. And my real prayer is that it would be planted in our hearts and that God would water and grow it. There wouldn't be necessarily like a fire hose of information, but it would more be like a 30,000 foot view of the text. Like what is the text saying? What is most important and how does it apply to us and how can we take it with us and do that thing for which the word of God says. And so for me, I believe what the really the most important part about this text today in light of the world that we're living in is this. That as followers of Jesus, you could also say as disciples, outside of loving God first, our primary A goal and purpose is to love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Outside of loving God first, our primary task as followers of Jesus, our our primary mission as followers of Jesus is to bear witness of who God is and what He's done to every man, woman, and child from every tongue, tribe, and nation, and from every ethnic and cultural background. Okay, so to unpack a bit, 
we are to bear, to show, to tell, to be witnesses. We're to bear witness. The Bible also would describe this term uh, as ambassadors or representatives. So we are to be ambassadors, representatives, or bear witness of who Christ is to the rest of the world. And we're to do that, we're to bear witness, despite consequences, repercussions, persecutions, or backlash that may come. You name it. Despite any circumstance, we as Christians are to bear witness of Jesus despite the consequences. And that is exactly what's happening here in Acts 5. The early church is modeling and living this out for us. And to use a sports analogy, uh, I want us to think of a uh, relay race for a second. Uh, I ran a bit of track in school when I was younger, and I by no means am a long-distance runner, but I loved short distance. Like, I, 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 could, I, could, I could battle with the best of them, honestly, with short distance. And if we were doing a relay race, like a 4 by 100 relay race with a baton, I loved. Um, uh, and going along with that analogy, in the long timeline of church history... We currently, in 2020, as Christians, are to take the baton from the church before us, from those that came before us as Christians. And it's now our turn to run with the gospel in our unique, complicated, confusing, and painful world that we live in. Right? The generations of Christians before us passed us the baton with this task, and we will pass the baton of the gospel witness to our own kids in the next generation. But what that means for you and I, if you're alive and listening to this, is regardless of how it's been done or it will be done, it's our responsibility to do it well now. It's our responsibility to do it well now with the utmost prayer and love and grace and humility and boldness. It's up to us now to take responsibility to bear witness of the love of God to all of humanity in the messiness despite the consequence. And what bearing witness may look like is it looks like not only word, but deed, right? So bearing witness in word is, is what you say and how you, uh, how you say it. It's, it's telling of the good news, whether that be in a conversation, a phone call, a text message, a Zoom call, whether it's preaching, like in a church setting, in a ministry setting. Um, it could just be simply telling of the gospel story or sharing your testimony, that is bearing witness in word to those around you. But also, we bear witness to Christ in deed, how we act, how we react, how we treat people, how we love others, our actions. Do our actions bear witness to others about the love of God, or do they see something completely different? But what bearing witness also looks like, that involves both word and deed, is how we respond and engage 
cultural and systematic problems that go against the character, the heart, and the nature of God. See, as we know, over the centuries, there have been and, are, and currently are so many social issues, injustices that confront and come against the very heart and nature of God, as well as the image of God that all of humanity was created to be like. And one that I'm sure we're all well aware of right now that currently is being very highlighted that's been happening for centuries is racism against people of color. And before I briefly and sensitively try to touch on this, I just want to say that my heart grieves and is deeply saddened for those of color And I feel a righteous anger for what is happening currently and what has happened uh, for centuries. That said, I also will never know what uh, you have been or have gone through personally as a person of color. But I do want to say that I stand with you and I desire to learn and grow to be more aware active and involved to seek justice and to see healing come. That said, um, I am far from being anywhere near knowing how to approach this. Um, But this is what I will say. In light of our passage today and God's heart and our posture as Christians, it's this. That part of doing the hard work of becoming aware and learning and advocating for human rights and equality is part of what it means to bear witness to the love of God to the world. See, bearing witness isn't only preaching from a pulpit. It's not only sharing a testimony or giving to someone in need. It also includes confronting injustice. It's speaking the truth in love and it's advocating for God's heart for all peoples of all races. And again, this is very complex and this is a lifelong, generations-long endeavor when it comes to ending racism. But what I personally have learned from dear friends and fellow pastors of color is that the worst thing that I can do is not say or do anything. And I'm personally trying to grow in this. And as difficult and sticky as this is, I want to encourage all of us to not merely engage with this because this is a hot topic or a social issue now in front of us, but I believe a better approach is to try looking through God's eyes with God's heart at all people. And in this case, my exhortation to all of us, including myself, is to learn the history of this. To listen uh, currently and carefully. To try to have empathy and compassion and to approach all of this with humility, love, and grace. But again, this cultural and social issue, like I said, is one of many more that need the attention, prayer, and care from us as Christians and as the church. 
and in the midst of this current world that we live in, with all its pain and its hurt and its heartbreak, with like everything going on, I mean, just think of the last few months, let alone our country as a whole and our world and what's happened over the past few centuries. But in the midst of everything that's going on, reality, Honolulu. Let's strive together to bear witness of who Jesus is and what he did for us despite the obstacles, right? Despite the consequences or the backlash. Like my prayer for us as a people of God is that we too, like the church in Acts, we'd be so like freshly filled up with the Holy Spirit that we were bearing witness in word and deed of who God is to everyone around us. Like for the church in Acts, right? They could not stop talking about Jesus and they could not stop bringing the kingdom of God to earth. Like they couldn't let it go. There's nothing that was willing to stop them. And my prayer is that we too would strive in the same way to bear witness to our family, to our neighbors, to, uh, to our coworkers, our friends, our community, and our world. There's a lot more to dig into that. But as we enter into a time of worship and response, I want to encourage us right now to not just tune off or tune out or think this is kind of a bookend to the service, but allow as we sit in the presence of God in these songs, allow the Holy Spirit to fill us up and give us God's heart for all of humanity. And that He would embolden us and empower us to be the people of God in the world because the, the world so desperately needs the love of God. And the way in which the world sees the love of God is through the church. And so church, now is the time to bear witness for Christ. And as we worship, let's allow the Lord to minister to us. Let's surrender things to Him. Let's ask Him for more wisdom and strength to navigate all this. But also, as we always do, I want to um, have you guys grab uh, your elements for communion. Hopefully now you're getting into a rhythm that I ask you to do this every week. So if you do go to the store, uh, grab some bread and grab some juice or wine or whatever it is, but grab anything like that. And anytime throughout these few songs, I want to encourage you to remember what Jesus did for us upon the cross. And we do that, as Jesus said, and as often as you do it, we do it in remembrance of him. Why we're all here, why we're doing it is because of the cross and the, the price that Christ paid on our behalf. And so as you take uh, the juice or the wine and the cracker over these next few songs, take it and dwell upon the beautiful, wonderful, powerful sacrifice of Christ for us on our behalf. Church, I love you. Let's pray and let's enter into this time of worship now. God, thank you that you're in control. Thank you that your word even says that we should take heart to not be surprised with trials, with tribulations, but take heart because you have overcome the world. But God, we also know that you, you have us as ambassadors, as representatives, to bear witness of how good you are 
in the midst of a lot of messiness and a lot of pain and a lot of hurt and a lot of anger and a lot of fear and a lot of worry and a lot of anxiety in our world today, we pray that we as the church would be your ambassadors to bear witness of the love and the joy and the peace and the hope of God. So God, we, we pray that you'd fill our homes with your presence now, that you would be exalted as we worship you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.